The biggest mistake that we see in product development is undoubtedly developing a product or a service based on a big idea. And, and the problem with that process is that an idea doesn't understand the real user's needs until it's been rolled out and tested. So it becomes this constant process of, of guessing and of iteration of the product, of constantly having to change and make tweaks in response to market feedback after launch. So there are some processes that attempt to solve that issue, like uh, running a design sprint, but even then they are beginning from an idea. So in this episode, I wanna talk about what to do instead to begin from the market's real needs and then develop the idea that will lead to the solution to those problems. This is The Simplogy Show with Bruce White, the podcast for business leaders and strategists to get the best practical advice on a deeper but more efficient approach to brand and business strategy right across a business's life cycle, because you can always add more value. Let's get into it. So if we look at the accelerated nature of product life cycles these days, it's pretty easy to identify some very big missteps in product development. And to be clear, some of these missteps were actually really massive successes as companies for a while, but as things changed, they became outdated and they, they, would, they were essentially destined to fail. I'm gonna give you some examples in a second, but I really just wanna lean on this point first. It used to be really common that a product would have a life cycle with a predetermined end, even if the time and date of that ending was not predetermined. Uh, obviously, the, the product owner is going to want to push that end time and date as far into the future as possible. But the point was, we typically accepted that a product would eventually become outdated. Software as a service companies take a different approach with agile and lean methodologies, which allows them to sort of uh, pivot to market needs and changes in technology and all that sort of stuff. But there's still a step before. There's still that step at the product development stage that will absolutely decide the success or failure long-term of the product, no matter which product it is, software as a service included, right? So let me give you a couple of examples and this is gonna become really, really clear what I'm talking about. BlackBerry, which was at one time hugely successful, they realized that the mobile phone could do a whole lot more than just make and receive phone calls, okay? And as a part of extending the usefulness of a mobile phone, they identified that people needed a keyboard on their mobile phone so that they could type easier. I'm talking about a full QWERTY keyboard, like an, an actual computer keyboard on their, on their device. So they based their entire business on not letting go of that tactile physical keyboard, right? That was their differentiator. You knew a BlackBerry the moment you saw it because it was this usually a, a dark blue device with a keyboard taking up the lower 50% of the device. That was their differentiator. Now, most of us know now that BlackBerry eventually lost about $50 billion in value, okay? Now, there were some other missteps along the way that contributed to that loss for sure. Um, I think making an offer to purchase the Nashville Predators, uh, promising the NHL they wouldn't move the team, and then immediately starting selling season tickets to the Hamilton Predators was probably a little stupid, <laughs> not even counting how underhanded and unethical that might have been. But the point is they built a product, right? They based their differentiation on a product, the physical keyboard on a device. That was their differentiator. But then along comes Apple with the iPhone. 
they built their differentiation on being a device that allowed people to keep working and be more productive while mobile, okay? They met the need. The need wasn't a keyboard. It was being able to be as productive as, as they could while away from their computer as they were when they were in front of it, right? That doesn't tie the product to the differentiation. It ties the need to the differentiation. And the big deal here is that the need doesn't change over time. The solutions to the need might, right? Like a keyboard, for example, on a mobile phone. And if you've based your differentiation on the solution, like a keyboard, and then someone comes along and achieves the same solution in a more elegant fashion that focuses on the need and finds different and better ways to solve that need, well, now you're kind of screwed because you built your entire company around a keyboard, right? That's the, the outdated model problem that I was referencing earlier, right? If you start off by trying to build a product, by trying to build a solution instead of satisfying the real need, eventually someone else will come along with something better or something will happen that will make your product or service outdated. That's the outdated model problem. It used to be the norm. It doesn't need to be anymore. Instead, we want to identify that real need and we want to build our solutions to solve the need. And then we can develop solutions that allow for future pivots without losing our differentiation. Okay, let me give you another example. Encyclopedia Britannica. They were the absolute gold standard of information access for decades or information ease of access, retrieval, right? but they lost almost their entire sales, billions of dollars worth, in just six years. Why? Because they based their solution on the delivery method instead of the real need. The need was easy access to information, right? The delivery method was a bunch of beautifully wrapped, uh, elegantly presented encyclopedias divided into alphabet alphabetized letters, uh, easily searchable with these beautiful indexes and access to all of the information as it was current at the time of printing, right? You can already see the flaws there just by reading that out, what it was. But at the time that they were successful, information access was very different to what it is now and we didn't have the need or even the capability for real-time information, okay? Things didn't change as quickly then and much of the rapid changing environment that we live in now just didn't exist. So instant up-to-date information wasn't necessarily the need at the time. But they weren't focusing on the need, they were focusing on the delivery method. The need at the time was access to information, easily searchable information. So then along comes Google, right? And within six years, their magnificent index system, their alphabetization of, of editions, their beautiful leather-bound finishing, all of that didn't matter. That was the delivery system. The need was easy access to information. Now, I could argue that had, Britan had Britannica focused on the need, given that they already had this massive existing access to information, they could have probably been Google before Google became Google. One last one, just to make sure that this point is really, really clear. Kodak. Kodak placed all of their trust in film and physical photography as their differentiator. And they produced all sorts of products that achieved physical photos and reproduction and capture and all that sort of stuff, right? From the, uh, the Polaroid style through to the little Kodak handy cams and all of that sort of stuff, photocopiers and... Uh, digital devices, etc. 
At one time, Kodak was valued at $30 billion. But physical photos weren't the need. That was the delivery mechanism for the need. Saving memories wasn't even necessarily the need, although if you were to follow a needs-based product development approach, you would likely pass through saving memories as a need on the pathway to get to the real need. The way you develop these things would take you through that. The real need in this case was sharing memories. People take photos, people absolutely go back and or used to go back and look through their photo albums and stuff like that. But typically the photo albums would come out when friends or family would come to visit. And so the need was sharing memories. Here comes Facebook, no more Kodak. Facebook recognized that giving people a way to share memories satisfied that need. They then went on to create new needs and satisfy those needs before they even existed. Say whatever you want to say about Mark Zuckerberg. I know that there's a lot of hate out there for Mark Zuckerberg, and I believe that the majority of that is very well justified. But Facebook as the model of satisfying a need and then creating their own world, their own marketplace, their completely unassailable need satisfaction because they're creating the needs before they exist and then satisfying them by creating them, right? Their model is something, something to behold. So what's the point of all this? The point is your market isn't interested in your product. They're interested in satisfying a need, okay? If you've ever heard of jobs to be done theory, they approach this really well. The, the jobs to be done theory describes it as your customer is trying to get a job done and they're hiring your product to achieve that. So they basically think of the need as a job and just like any job, you wanna build a, you wanna build a, a flower bed in your backyard, you hire a landscape gardener to come and build that flower bed. If you want to get a need satisfied, you hire the solution that will satisfy that need. That's essentially the jobs to be done theory. Remember the old adage, uh, customers don't want a quarter inch drill bit, they want a quarter inch hole. That's how you have to approach your product development. You are the quarter inch hole. You have to identify the quarter inch hole and then your product can be, can be the drill bit, but what you're achieving is not giving them a drill bit. They don't want a drill bit, they want the quarter inch hole. And to be clear, when I say product, this is equally, if not even more relevant to a service provider. I just refer to services as products because uh, if you've seen any of my other stuff, you know that if you're a service provider who is not productized, uh, if you're changing your services with every client, if you're custom quoting everything, you're basically uh, come back and see me in a year or two when you're out of business and we can sort out your business at that point. You basically need to identify your customers' real unmet needs before you ever think about developing a product or a service to satisfy those needs. And that doesn't have to be a whole new market either, by the way. We start every product sprint with a competitive analysis. And what we're doing with a competitive analysis is we're looking for weaknesses in our clients' competitive sets products, right? Because those are opportunities. So you don't have to start with a whole new market. You can, you can absolutely do that. It's further uphill, but a bigger potential to be Facebook, okay? It's gonna take a whole lot more time and a whole lot more investment, but it's absolutely an opportunity. I recommend you start looking at the competitors, you start looking at the existing markets, because the existing markets have people within them who are already buying, the market is proven viable, you just need to find the unmet needs. So, 
The very first thing you want to do is identify that unmet need in the market and understand that that need has absolutely nothing to do with your product, right? And what I mean by that is that need will exist whether your product exists or not. The last thing we want to do is, is build some weird circular need where the customer's need requires our product to exist, which requires the need, right, and vice versa. You'd never sell a thing. There'd just be this circle that relies upon itself. <laughs> so this could be an end result goal that your product achieves, or you can build products that help customers solve needs along the path to the goal, okay? And this is what I mean by identifying those unmet needs in an existing market. That's typically gonna help you, you result in a highly specialized product, okay? But both are relevant approaches. It can be the end result goal, or it can be things to help achieve steps along the way. And then your job as a solution provider is to help your customer satisfy that need as quickly, as accurately, and as easily as possible. So I'm sure many of you have already figured out that the reason most product development fails is because the market is not taken into account before the ideas start flying. Like everyone's got great ideas. And I would never want to discourage great ideas. But that's not where you start. So where do you start? Well, as I mentioned, in every one of our strategy sprints, we begin with a process called review mining to gather insights into the client's market, okay? It is the, the simplest way to begin a market analysis as a fly on the wall. And the reason I like this approach is because you're not putting any out, outside pressure. You're not exerting any outside influence on the responses that you're getting, like such as you would in a client survey or client interviews where people want to give the answer they believe you want to hear. Review mining is basically fly on the wall, so you can just read what, what your market are saying about their problems, uh, about the agitations around those problems, about the solutions available or not available, and about the agitations around the lack of those solutions or the existing solutions. You can get all that information without ever having to speak physically to a customer, so you're never exerting any outside influence. So I've got a video on how to do review mining. If you're interested, I'm gonna put a link to that in the, in the, uh, the episode notes here below this episode. Alternatively, if you want to offer product strategy services to your clients, uh, we're in the process of codifying our product sprint as we speak. So you can get on the list for, uh, for early access to that, if you like, at productsprintblueprint.com. Uh, again, I'll put that link below this episode. There's no obligation, of course. You can just sign up and get notifications and you can, you can take advantage of early access when it opens if you want to. Um, you can also, by the way, get the, the Product Sprint Blueprint as a part of our Sprint Masters Toolkit, which is the, the entire collection of all five of our strategy sprints that we offer to clients. So from brand to audience to messaging to product and naming, that's available on our edu education platform, the Brand Sprint Academy, which is, which is basically designed to let you add a complete strategy department to your business with the scripts, with the slide decks, with the online whiteboard software, with the online whiteboard canvases. The entirety of each and every sprint is included in that package. Uh, again, I'll put a link to that below here, sprintmasterstoolkit.com. And finally, if you just want a specialist to come in and help facilitate strategy sprints for your business, you can get in touch with us anytime at simplergy.com. That's all we do. We are a purely strategy firm. We don't believe in the agency model of running up billable hours. And we definitely don't believe in those mailed-in strategy exercises with the predefined outcome of just booking design work for the agency after the fact. We will never magically come up with a list of design projects that you 
need us to deploy afterwards to make the project a success, right? We purely focus on strategy. We take a very, very deep approach to strategy. We do everything in a sprint format to eliminate that horrible billable hours model from agencies. We are a purely strategy firm. That's all we do. So if any of that sounds interesting, I'll put a link to Simplogy.com below this episode. Uh, we can begin the conversation whenever you're ready. So thanks so much for joining me again today. I do hope that you've got some ideas on how to avoid building the wrong product or how, or how to avoid focusing on the wrong differentiation when you do begin building. Uh, if you've got any questions at all, or if I can help in any way, please don't hesitate to get in touch either in the comments below here uh, or get in touch with me on our website at simplyg.com. I love to help leaders and strategists add the power of strategic planning to their business growth. So that's going to be it for this one. I really hope you have a great day and I will see you in the next episode. This is the Simplogy Show with Bruce White, the podcast for business leaders and strategists to get the best practical advice on a deeper but more efficient approach to brand and business strategy right across a business's life cycle, because you can always add more value.